Hi, my name is Mark Bourgeois. My definition of relentless is uh, the unwillingness to quit even when faced with resistance or opposition. Hi, I'm Terrence Ketchison, and uh, my definition of relentless would be an unwavering commitment and persistence to accomplish a task or goal, no matter what the outcome is. Hi, my name is Danny Franklin. Uh, my definition of relentless is just an unwillingness to give up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Dubay, and today, although I say this often, it's a special episode, but today is a special because we have three guests on at the same time. First time we've ever done this. We have had two on before, but three, and these are some very good guys that I've got the, the, the chance to know, the opportunity to get to know here, and they are from Edmonton Police Service, and they work in the youth unit, if I'm not mistaken, that's what it's called. We have Sergeant... Mark Bourgeois, I'm screwing this up. I'm so nervous to be around you, Mark. (laughs) Mark Bourgeois, Sergeant with EPS. We have Terrence Ketchison, who, what what is it? Constable? Yep, yeah. Constable? Constable Okay. And Danny Franklin, Constable in the unit. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to have you here. It's weird to have a little panel. Yeah. Yeah, A little strange, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You guys feeling okay about being on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I feel I always get butterflies when I'm around Mark. Though. Yeah, I get butterflies around Mark too. <laughs> I do. He's a handsome man. He is. He's a, a good man. Yeah. Um, who looks very tall in this chair too. <laughs> yeah, let's not say how tall I actually no, am. No, no, we won't say that. Because it's weird to be a cop under five feet, right? <laughs> 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 um, no, it's good to have you guys here. And the reason why we're bringing peop- uh, these guys on, everybody, is because uh, these are the, these are some of the guys that we work with, uh, in Edmonton police service who are in a partnership with us and our relentless youth workers. And we work with young people, uh, on the Y five O list, which is youth 50, which the way I describe it, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is the 50 most vulnerable young people are the highest risk young people in our community, according to police data. That's the way that I do describe it. So it's kind of the severity of their charges or the, the, the amount of charges that they have. And that list can change and fluctuate a little bit every year, depending. Um, at our youth workers, we're hand-in-hand with these gentlemen. And I think there's three more of you, three more constables, yep. right? There's five of you. Um, and we uh, work, six of us now. Six of you now. Of us now. Okay. Yep. And we work together with these guys to bring the policing side and the youth worker social worky side together and do that. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but let's get to know these guys a little bit more. Sarge, can I, is that what they call you, Sarge? Mark's, Mark works. I like Sarge too, though. So the, <laughs> the reason I say this is because we, we talked a little bit about this before. I've watched so many cop shows. And so we're going to talk all about the cop shows and how real they are and, and how unreal they are, yeah. actually. But Mark, uh, how long have you been with EPS? Uh, it'll be 27 years in March, actually. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it is crazy. Because you don't look like you've been policing for 27 years. You look good, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. You look good. Uh, Terrence, how about you? How long have you been uh, with EPS? Uh, I've been with EPS for 12 years. Twelve. You don't look yeah. like you've been doing it for 12 years either. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. All right. Danny? Uh, I'm now coming up in 16. 16. You look like 16 for sure. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Seriously, 16 as well. Man, Coffin makes you guys look good. I'll tell you that much right now. Um Let's, let's, let's ask, let me ask you this question. Why did you want to be a police officer? Was this a thing 
when you were younger? I mean, there's a lot of little kids who are like, I want to be a policeman or I want to be a fireman, all that type of stuff. I know I always wanted to be a cop. I told you guys this before, but I'm colorblind. I couldn't make it happen. Um, you know, let's kind of go around the horn again. Mark, why did you, like, was this a life, like, you know? You know, you talk about as a, as a child wanting to be a cop. I, I was one of those. I never had uh, police officers in my family. I didn't have uncles, grandpas, father, no one um, that was a police officer. But for, for whatever reason, I don't even know what the catalyst was. But at a very young age, it's something I wanted to do and something I kind of pursued, um, you know, as I went through high school and uh you know, I initially, it was very difficult to get in back in the, in the nineties. And I thought I would, uh, become a paramedic instead. So I was actually in, in school for, uh, to be an EMT back in the day and yeah. applied at that time and made it halfway through EMT school and I got accepted with Edmonton and here I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How about you terms? Yeah. Similar to Mark, I, uh, you know, I, like as soon as I hit high school, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. I remember watching like cops and the servant protect. I thought this is the most badass job ever. Yeah, I got to do this. Um, and then, yeah, so I, you know, right out of high school, I know you can't get in when you're young just because they want life experience yeah. and those kind of things. So I was a carpenter actually for a little while. I went to Nate for carpentry and then uh, I was around 22. I thought, you know, I should go to school for, for what I want to do. So I went back to school and um, did criminal justice diploma. I worked in the jail as a correctional officer for a couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, I got on when I was 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right so, on. but yeah, something I always, always knew I wanted to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Daddy. Uh, so my role was a little bit different. My whole family, they're all teachers. So, um, I actually went into a, like a business side of things. So I, I worked as a territory manager for, um, a couple of different companies and I did a lot of outside, um, uh, travel. So, and I, I'll never forget this. Um, on one of my road trips, coming back, just super tired, and I heard on the radio, EPS was doing uh, an advertisement just for uh, just a recruiting kind of a, a train there. And I, I'll never forget this point. I'm like, I'm going to look into this more. After looking into it and going throughout the whole process, um, certainly haven't looked back. So it's good. Well, that's cool. What was, uh, what was training like? Because how long was training? Six months? Yeah. Well, six months? Yeah. 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 Hard? Uh, I, you don't remember. I know it's, it so it's long changed <laughs> over the years, but yeah. I, I do know uh, back, Edmonton was kind of well known for being one of the most difficult on the physical side of things. I, I had a friend who actually applied to Calgary instead, no, no cut to Calgary, but yeah. because it was so hard to, to, to get in with the physical, now there's uh, provincial standards in place, but but yeah, back in the day, it was, uh, uh, I mean, I was in my early 20s, but there's, you know, the oldest person in our class was 36. And oh, wow. I can't imagine having, you know, all that life experience and coming and having to deal with, with all that stuff. But I mean, as a young know, 20 year old, it was uh, eye opening experience and uh, stressful. And I yeah. think that's part of what they did is to, to try to put a lot of stress on you, knowing that that's what would happen when, sure. you, when you get out in, in the real world and doing policing. But yeah, it was we had stress days where you're yeah. out, you know, uh, they call them stress days because after your first one, you're always stressed about the next one because you just put through physical um, things to the to the edge where people are throwing up. And yeah. but again, it's it's a team building thing, and it's a how do you deal with with uh, that stress and anticipating stress right. in the future? Right. That was you guys. What'd you think of training? Uh, you know what? I loved it. Did like, you? I, you know, I remember uh, we were driving fast. You're learning how to, 
uh, do pits and all sorts of crazy moves in your car. You're shooting a thousand rounds a day at the range. You're doing control tactics and and learning how to do grappling and stuff like that. I'm thinking, how oh, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Yeah. This is great. So I, I loved it. There was it was stressful. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's criminal law and provincial law and things like that that you have tests every week. Um, I think at the time when I was going through, you can only fail one or two of them until you might get the boots. So sure. to be uh, fair, this is always his attitude. Yeah. He yeah. always is Mr. Positive. <laughs> He's always, always Mr. Awesome. Positive. I, I love, you know, I love my job. Yeah. So it's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed class. Stressful, but uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And that's the thing though, like lots of tests, I'm sure, because you, there's so much criminal code and law that you have to know, right? Which I would find that stressful. That'd be tough for me. What was your first ship like? Like, because I don't know how that works. Like, if you're in training and all of a sudden you're going on on a few little, like, I don't know, even call them ride-alongs mm-hmm. or whatever. But, like, your first, okay, boom, you're done. You got your badge. You went through your little ceremony at, I think, probably City Hall. You're in the car. Let's go. What was that like for you guys? Danny? Oh, geez. Yeah, my my, my first day, I remember, like, you, you're super, super nervous and just not knowing what's going to happen, um, which is part of the excitement too, right? Um, you're, you know, out there, you're taking your training and bringing it to, to reality. And the biggest thing is you don't want to, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to make those big mistakes. Right. right. So, um, but, uh, it's, it's nice the way that they kind of, um, gradually get you involved as you get a training officer, uh, where you, you're riding with them basically the whole time. So, um, you're able to ask questions, um, and just kind of work through some of the situations. Cause, um, the one thing that anybody I'm sure will tell you as a police officer is that, um, your every every single call you go to, it's it, it's going to be different, right? It could be a similar domestic uh, that you're going to, but the specific case is going to be different, right. um, and you have to just kind of be able to adapt, yeah, and kind of figure out the best way to to deal with each situation. So, yeah, you got that. How old were you? Did you say you were 26 when you came? I was 25. 25 um, when I first got on. You were 26, uh, Terrence. I was 26, yeah. Mark, you were 22, 23. 22, yeah. Right? Can't. I have a 22 year old son. I just can't imagine him being a cop. I just can't. Like it's just mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. But but that young age, like that, is a lot of adapting. Because again, like you said, that you're showing up to all these situations, and and even though it's a domestic violence, completely different, right? Mm-hmm. That must have been a little taxing. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. So actually before my first shift, what they do is when you're in class, they I don't know if they rolled them out when you were in, but we used to do these experiential learning shifts. So you'd actually go on a ride along in uniform with uh, like the patrol guys. So it was kind of before you got out of class, sure. right? Just so you could see it. And actually that's where I went to my first sudden death was uh, when it was just a guy that had a heart attack. Yeah. He was an older fellow, but uh, you got a chance to go out with the patrol guys and actually get a date without having to do the paperwork or any of the stresses of yeah, any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Just kind of follow them around. So we did three of those shifts prior to coming out. And it was good because it kind of prepared you for for what you were going to yeah. get yourself into. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is strange though to think, you know, as a 22-year-old, you're, you're showing up to a chaotic situation. You're supposed to be the expert, expert in this situation and calm things down and Sometimes you're being a, a counselor, you know, we talked about a domestic and I'm, you know, 22, what do right. I know about relationships? And I'm talking to two 50 year olds right. and it's, it's an odd thing. And, right. Um, but it's interesting for sure. You, you mature and learn very quickly. How many years in or how, how old were you where you felt like you just kind of settled into, okay, this is what I do. You know what? You get what I'm saying? Like, this is what I do. This is, I feel comfortable now with this. I think most members they'll, they'll say kind of around that three-year, five-year mark is when you start, okay, I've got the paperwork down. I kind of know because 
<laughs> policing, there's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're putting that, you can be sitting at a desk where you're, you're typing out your report and all of a sudden there's a, a weapons complaint call and you gotta drop your stuff and go. Yeah. Um, so that consistence, uh, like of having to be able to adapt on this, on from sitting down, typing something out to then going out, um, that I found was, was one of the more challenging parts. Right. But, you got to flick that switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think three years is where most people kind of start to find their groove. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's so many opportunities within EPS, isn't there? You know, yeah. that's when, when we had the chief on, I told you guys, and, and that's some of the stuff he talked about is that's when he was first getting interviewed, there's like the idea of all the different things you can do within one career. Right. I mean, you guys have moved around with some stuff. What, what other stuff have you done? You're with the youth unit now, which we're going to talk about in a bit, but what other stuff have you guys done? You all started in patrol, right? Yeah, patrol's yeah. Where, you, where you start. I mean, I did 12 <coughs> years of patrol before I got promoted and was promoted into our professional standards branch, which is internal affairs. Okay. Then I moved to child protection section. Uh, then I moved to robbery section. Um, and those are all investigative roles. Right. And then once I, you know, I felt comfortable with that, then I ended up moving to community operations support unit, being in a supervisory role, school resource officer unit, and then Y5O. So, right. and that, those are very different experiences than my uh, initial, I guess, investigative role. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, you talk about feeling comfortable. Well, uh, yeah, three, five years in patrol, but then once you make moves, all of a sudden you're, you're learning something new. And I mean, there's some similarities in the different areas, but there's also some big differences. And oh, yeah. uh, like I was away from operational uh, work for for many years so when i when i came to this unit um i felt like the new guy sure i was a new guy but i mean actually you know working off these guys and learning some things you're like oh man i have to run again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i have to chase people on he's, paper in all fairness he's, he's probably the best yeah he's the fittest in, right. unit, so. in all fairness guys out of the four of us i'm the worst <laughs> i'll tell you that right now you already know that so, and that's an interesting point is that, you know, you feel comfortable three to five years in, but now you're making a move. But I also, I know many police officers, I'm fortunate that, that I've got a lot of buddies that are, that are cops and, and they love the, the moves. They love the challenges. They love to be able to do that. Right. Terrence, what are some of the stuff you've done? Yeah. I, uh, like, like these guys, I started in uh, Southwest patrol. Um, and then white Avenue is part of Southwest vision. So I was able to move into a beats role on, yeah. uh, in white Avenue. So I did white Avenue beats for a few years. And the nice thing is, is there's little things you can do within like some portfolios and stuff you can pick up. So, um, I helped out with the Sarah projects, which are kind of like a community-based project that recruits take on when they come in Okay, did that for a little bit. And I actually went to a, was lucky to go to a conference in Houston, Texas, uh, as part of that role, uh, moved on to the, uh, SRO unit shortly after that. And my boss there as well. School resource officer. School resource officer. Yeah. yeah, did that for a couple of years, and then which essentially, uh, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but essentially these are police officers that work in schools. Yep. Right, and yep. you're there to to help build relationships with the yep. students, and it's, it's it is some community. Absolutely. Work, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of student engagement, and uh, and yeah, and and uh, proactive work, and um, I mean enforcement was kind of a last option with sure with school resource. Right. We want to go in there and just be part of the team and and uh, be a resource for the students. That's yeah. really what we were. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did that for a few years and, 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 uh, Mark was actually my boss in that unit. Yeah. And then, uh, we, uh, moved into like a youth enhanced, uh, deployment role where we did, uh, kind of youth intervention stuff. And then from there I went into 180 and Mark was my boss and 180 and then, uh, 180 is a intervention role as well. So, uh, didn't really do a lot of enforcement, just a lot of, uh, intervention for, for youth that were kind of showing uh, spiking on a criminality scale. Yeah. 
Uh, and then now I'm the Wi-Fi role. And then on the side, I do, um, like I'm a EVOC instructor, so we do driver training. So I teach pits and oh, okay. and uh, box ends and things like that. Oh, so, cool. so these are all opportunities that you can kind of pull. And yeah, I get to work full-time in this unit and still do that on the side. So yeah, yeah tons of opportunity. Like that's that. a side gig you do? It's just a side oh, thing, nice. yeah, that I can pop out and help out with the driver training unit now and again. Yeah. So so yeah. there's lots of little opportunities like that that you can pick up. And Yeah. And Danny, how about you? What, like, what were you doing prior to the UT unit? Uh, well, I, I was actually back Southwest Patrol and oh, Mark when we were back when we were equals. <laughs> he, was, he was on my my first squad, uh, so I did that for about uh, yeah four years, and then uh, had an opportunity uh, to work as a school resource officer. Uh, so I did that for five years, um, and it's kind of cool. Even within some of these uh, specialized units, you also get different opportunities in the SRO unit during the summertime when the schools were in. You'd go to work uh, and assist and backfilling some of the other operational needs of the service. Um, I had an opportunity to work in recruit and selection, uh, the domestic offender crime section, um, and then a couple other different roles kind of in there. Um, and then with any specialized uh, position that you're in with EPS after your tenure, you go back to patrol. Yeah. And man, that was a wake up call after being away from um, the way that things kind of work, you, you realize really quickly that, you know, how quickly things change, um, not only with, with people and the people that you're dealing with, but also, um, just the paperwork, all the, the administrative stuff. Things, sure. Things change quite Probably a bit. technology too. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, yes. yeah. And then I went after that, I had an opportunity to work in, uh, one of EPS's, uh, special product team. So it's another plain clothes, um, uh, team, which. I think I, I certainly learned a lot yeah. uh, as far as investigative um, roles there. And yeah. from there, um, came into Wi-Fi Bowl. So. Right on. But, and for those of you that aren't watching on YouTube, because I don't know, I'm a listener. I typically don't watch podcasts, but these guys are all playing clothes. They're all just dressed like normal dudes. And yeah, they don't wear uniforms unless they're probably at a ceremony or they're maybe told that they have to wear a uniform for whatever reason. Sorry to interrupt the Relentless Podcast, everybody, although this is a very good message. We want you to go and check out our Relentless Merchandise Store. That's right, we have launched a merchandise store for all of our Relentless garb. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got crew necks, we've got hats, we've got toques, and we're going to be coming out with some more merchandise in the very near future. So please www.ucan.ca that's y-o-u-c-a-n.ca when you get to the website you look up to the top right corner i think it says buy our merch hit that button boom it'll take you there we really want you to wear our stuff one because every dollar raised goes directly into our programming for the young people we work with and two because it's a conversation starter for you when you wear it, people are going to go, what's relentless? You can then brag about how you support an incredibly good organization helping young people. And then you can talk about how you are relentless in your life. That's what we want. We don't want us to just be relentless. We want you to be relentless too. Thanks for your support. And we appreciate you helping us out. Now, back to the show. Well, I tell you what, let's talk about Wi-Fi. Let's talk about, uh, and then we'll get into this partnership with, with uh with you can use services 
most people in the community don't know that OI50 even exists. And I guess, why would they, right? I mean, really, if it doesn't affect them, why would they? But I actually believe that this stuff affects everybody. I really do. Because if we want to call ourselves community, these are young people who live within this community. And these are young people who um, I will, you know, I've got my kind of ideas on how I describe them, but I would love to hear how you guys describe them and how, what you, you know, what you guys, what is the Y50 list to you guys? I mean, this is your job, right? So what is it? Well, I, I think my view is going to be a little different than these guys because they work very closely with, with the youth and build those relationships where um, my role again is, is different. I mean, the unit has, has been around for, 10 years, I think 2013, yeah. it came into, into yeah. play when there was a, a lot of uh, concern about public safety with um, some of our youth that were uh, violent um, and prolific uh, offenses taking place. So the, the Y50 unit was, it was created. Um, and it's the top 50 most vulnerable youth uh, that we work with. And every year, like you said, there's, they're, they're selected. Um, based on um, a matrix that that is used, so there, uh, it's a more of an objective uh, determination of, of who's going to make it to the list. It's not a draft pick of who you like the most. It's not <laughs> no, and and I mean some of these youth. <laughs> Danny goes out maybe. <laughs> you know, will will remain on that list uh, more than one year yeah. if, if they're continuing uh, yeah. uh, trajectory. Um, so again, that's that's what's created. And I think the, the the point of it was to to try to to work with them and. and change this behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're vulnerable as well, victimized mm-hmm. as well, but also the victimization of, of the, the people in the city that uh, they're perpetrating. Most of them on. have been very victimized. Very right? much so. Very a lot of trauma in their life, lots of, lots of um, yeah. history of that. Trying to justify behaviors, yeah. but maybe I'm justifying behaviors a bit, right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, this is what happened. So, yeah. And these are 12, 12 year olds? Did you go 12? I mean, it's, most, I think the youngest on the list right now is Yeah, 13 to 17 is... 13 to 17. And 17, 364. Because the day they turn 18, they're not on that list anymore. I mean... For the most part. Yeah. I mean, normally they get transitioned into uh, the adult uh, offender management area. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, that is the the sergeant's, you know... Description of what this is. Description of what this is. Um, You guys are working front lines. You guys are working with these, these young people every day. What's, what are your thoughts on it? What are your, the way, how do you look at it? You know what? Um, and I think anybody who's ever worked with mid-risk, high-risk, whatever you want to call it, um, youth that have a bigger picture, um, it's, it's kind of interesting in seeing um, when you actually take the time to sit down and talk with them and the families, like looking at how important those conversations are and seeing that, um, you know, the, the, a normal police officer patrol member is just seeing reports, right? So they might not know the back history, the story, sure. uh, what brought these kids to what they're doing right now. Um, and it, it's kind of nice to be working in this role where we're able to make that connection and kind of understand family background. We work with them and I think it's integral in making sure that, um, you know, you're building trust with some of these kids too. There's, there's numerous times where, you know, these kids will tell you to pound sand and that is what it is. Um, but, um, you know, we, we talk about relentlessness and, um, 
kind of moving forward. And it, it's nice where we have a, a full year, if not more, to work with some of these kids yeah. and kind of get them back on track. It's, it's to me, this unit is essentially working with different partners to almost custom build a bit of a program for some of these kids, whether or not, you know, if they, if they need housing, well, let's get them housing. If they need addiction services, let's connect them with those. So I think it's really um, looking at the bigger picture and figuring out how we deal with um, that specific youth. And inevitably you're going to be dealing with, with their families too. Sure. Sure. Terrence, yeah, how do you, see you know what? I love the model. I, I'm the newest member, so I've only been around since um, I've been with these guys since about June. Um, but like Danny was saying, we get a chance to to get to know these youth and their families. And and uh, I mean, the end goal for us all is to see these kids be successful, right? Sure. Stop the victimization against them and, sure. and um, others. And yeah, so it's nice that we can kind of tailor a program to them. You can get creative with it. Um, working with UCAN and, and other agencies, we can tailor make a plan, right? Like we can get them employed if they if they need employment, if they want to go back to school, we'll get them in school. Yeah. If there's yeah, addiction stuff, we can we can help with that. But it's nice that they also get to see the same face uh, and they build that trust with you. And over time, they start talking about things. Hey, this is what's going on in my life. And then you can see the, the correlation between crime and, and what's going on. So it is kind of a unique position, I think, in EPS that we can do something like that. Because again, patrol shows up to maybe a, a call for service. You know, they've got maybe an hour or two to deal with this issue. Um, but they don't know, they don't know the kids like we do. They don't know the families. They don't know the effort that they put in. And, yeah. and even some of these kids, they're trying really hard, right? Yeah. Um, so, but patrol doesn't see that if something happens. So, so it's, yeah, it's a really unique spot. I, I like it. I think it's awesome the way you guys are describing this because, you know, for us as an agency, uh, Michelle Fillion, who is in charge of the youth unit, right? I think she's technically a boss, boss, right? Boss, yeah. She's the boss. Um, her and I have worked together for years and years and years, and and um, I'm not, I've never been shy to say this. I'm, I'm a fan of the police. I always have been. I wanted to be a cop. I couldn't because of my, uh, my disability, colorblindness, um, <laughs> and I've just always been a believer that young people who are involved in the justice system don't don't run from it. Let's try to sort this out because it's not leaving if you don't sort it out. If there's warrants, if there all court dates, I mean, all this stuff. It's not going away if you don't deal with it. So that's always been my my opinion on it. So we've done a lot of work in the past with with the police and, and our youth. And I just love the fact that we have this formalized partnership now and that it's called the Relentless Youth Outreach Program. Um, our young, our staff on our side, who we're going to be bringing on, Alana, uh, to talk about uh, one of our staff, our Relentless Youth Workers, to talk about what she does, Um Essentially, what they're doing is is when when it, when it's identified that a young person, okay, maybe treatment is needed, housing, there's food security issues, there's all these mental health, all these different things. That's where we can come in, right, to help try to help these young people navigate what that looks like and, and move them forward. And it's about building those transformational relationships. Terrence, I like what you said. At the end of the day, the goal is the same for everybody here, you know. And I I love whenever police get to humanize these young people and when the young people get to humanize police i almost like that better to be honest with you, because most young people that i've dealt with in my long career because i'm old um i've had many young people say oh i hate the fucking police i hate them they're all assholes then i go well are they all i hate those words they all always never i go are they all assholes or maybe you've had a couple 
you know, and I go, well, just so you know, like I can say then all youth who do crime are assholes, but they're not, you know, like there's reasons for this behavior. There's reasons for this happening. And so I love when we can bring police and, and youth together, especially vulnerable young people. I would say a lot of them, their first experiences with the police was when they were yeah. knee high yeah. and there was an intervention happening or something going on with mom, dad, uncle, grandma, grandpa, brothers, and whatever that looked like. And their first thought of a police is, oh, they come in and take somebody away from me. You know, so I see where that even st- that trauma as a youngster starts to settle in without them knowing it and they just grow up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love you guys' attitude, man. I do. I think it's amazing. What's what's the toughest part of the job? What's the toughest part of the job? Uh, I mean, I can speak to, um, I remember coming back earlier on in my career, going through patrol into the school resource officer unit. And you're still hypervigilant. You're thinking, okay, I need to, you know, go in there and do the police thing, right? And it wasn't until, you know, you have your office in your in your school and um, kids are coming in and talking to you. You're, you're like, this is weird. Like, and, and to your point, um, just having those kind of conversations and I, I felt like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Like these kids are, they're not looking at me like a, like a police officer, right? And I, I see this, um, you know, very similar in, in the Y50 unit um, where we're going uh, and meeting with the families and the kids and it takes a bit of time, mm-hmm. um, but I would say um, in, you know, having those consistent interactions with them, they start to realize that, okay, maybe I can trust this person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's probably the most difficult thing in, in our job to, to get that buy-in from some of these kids and some of the families. Um, you know, we've gone through, I don't know, just within our unit, um, situations where our, our very first interaction with with the youth is, is it's not the best. They, they just have a bad perception of police and that's a fair enough. Yeah. Um, but it takes that consistent, um, you know, revisits and, uh, you need to build that trust. And once you do get to that point of where you have that trust, it's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that you can see, um, so to kind of answer your question, I think that the toughest part is getting that buy in and help like, teaching kids that, you know what, there's people, police, different agencies that are out there to, to help you out to help if you're willing to take the, the advice. Quite often, I think that these young people don't look at police as helpers, right? They don't because of the situations that they're in and the, some of the crime that they've been involved with. They don't look at you as, oh, they can help me. They, oh, they're going to arrest me, right? That This is a, you know, which at, at many times that is the case. And I know that, that for us as an agency, we... We do understand that there is a need for arresting and jail time sometimes. So absolutely. There's no question about it. And I think that truthfully is what I kind of like about this partnership is that I, I do believe that there is this combination of the youth work, social work, relationship building stuff and suppression that we can somehow blend together. And with this understanding, I also know though that sometimes the police and our youth workers don't totally agree on situations. And we're okay with that. You guys are okay with that because then we talk it out, right? I think what you're saying, Danny, is the toughest part of the job is building relationship, building trust, but that actually leads to probably the best part of the job, right? Which is cool. How about you, Terrence? What do you think is is tough? Like, what's the toughest part? Like, are we talking the broader scope of policing or in the unit? Let's talk the unit. Okay. Let's talk the unit. 
I, you know, I, I, I would agree with Danny. Sometimes it's hard to get that buy-in. I found, uh, for me, that's the most frustrating. But I, I think, um, you know, now I've been doing this for a little bit, uh, I'm okay to step back mm -hmm. out of the light and work with other agencies, uh, to, you know, the same cause, right? So I, I know a lot of times we'll go to these, these houses or sometimes group homes or wherever these youth are living and, and uh, right away they'll say, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. The police, I don't, I don't like the police, I don't trust the police. Yeah. So I'm okay. I've, I've, I'm comfortable now with stepping back and saying, okay, and then I'll talk with the uh, youth workers or other agencies and we'll get them to go in and, mm -hmm. and take over where maybe I can't. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's the benefit of, of being able to do our work with UCAN and other agencies. But um, yeah, I'd say that's the most frustrating part is you want to get in and help, right? Right. But they, they won't let you sometimes. Yeah, that's the interesting thing too, yeah. right? And I think that, uh, listen, as youth workers, it's the same thing. I was a youth worker for years. And you're like, why does this kid not want to build really? Like, I'm trying mm -hmm. to help. And they're, what, what I realize is like what you said, Terrence, is step over, the, step over that spotlight, step over, like, just step back. Because it isn't about me, actually. Yeah. It's about the kid. It's about the young person, right? And probably 98% of them not wanting to connect with me is not about me. Yeah. It's about whatever else has happened in their lives, you know? all that trauma that you talked about, Mark. I mean, there's a lot of trauma that they've seen and been through, you know? Um, okay, we kind of talked a little bit about the best part, but what is the, like, what makes you go home and go, man, that was a good day because of this. And not because you did an awesome prank on Pete. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good day too. Yeah, that's a good day. <laughs> no, I, I like, like every once in a while, you'll get like a message from, uh, youth parent and saying, you know, thank you for what you did. And I always try and like tie it back into like, it, it's, it's not me that's, that's doing all this, right. It's, it's the different partners too. Uh, I think we're very fortunate to have, uh, you can as, as a partner. And it, it's really cool where like Terrence was saying, <clears throat> there's, there's situations where we need to look as police. We need to say, okay, I need to take a step back here and let, um, the youth workers do their thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but part, th that's all part of, you know, I think the parents and some of the kids, they do, they do get that they understand, okay, well, I told him to leave me alone and he actually listened to me. Right. So they don't get that all the time. And it kind of almost somewhat empowers them a little bit. Yeah. And then hence you're building up that trust. And the next time that you visit them, you're like, well, you listened to me that one time. Um, so, to answer the question, Kyle, I, I, I like it when we get a parent or a kid that connects to you and they, they say, Hey, um, I got a job today. Yeah. Like that, that can be a really big deal to them. Uh, and it makes you feel like, okay, I, I did part of the, of part of the puzzle, yeah. um, to help them get going. So it's pretty amazing when you see good, positive things happen for young people that society for the most part has already thrown away like they really have and it's a you know the old not my backyard I, uh, I don't see it i don't know what's happening and they do dismiss them a lot they do we see it all the time and that is a beautiful thing when they can go i'm going back to school or i i just passed this course or i got a job or whatever that looks like or i stayed out of jail for six months i haven't committed a crime in nine months like that's cool stuff right you know how about you guys what's some of the best things I, for me, it's, I think it's a little different than these guys. Like I, you know, I, I, I come to work, I see these, you know, most of the time they're there early. Uh, I, I listen to the, you know, what they're dealing with. I, I listen to 
you know, the, the one step forward, the two step back sometimes, yeah. the, the small victories. And I'm just, I'm always amazed at how dedicated they are to, to this work and how resilient they are. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I'm older, but I think I have less patience and I get more frustrated. So to see them, and the whole team is this way, but coming in day in and day out and just pushing forward and, and continuing that, that work, I, it actually just blows my mind away, to be honest, because I don't, I don't know if I would have that capacity. Like I sometimes imagine sitting in that desk and doing the work they do, and I, I don't know if I could do it. Mm. So I, I think for me, it's, it's just seeing the work they do. And I mean, the work your team does as well. Mm. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. No, it's cool. That makes sense, right? You're in a leadership role. So you're excited about these guys and their wins, yeah. you know, which is cool. The same with me with my youth workers, right? I'm not on the street. I don't even know. I've met three of the Wi-Fi old guys because I, they're never in our building, right? Our youth workers are out there chasing and doing their thing yeah. and building in the community. They rarely come to our space, right? Terrence, how about you? What's the best part? Yeah, like just seeing those uh, successes. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, speaking of success, we all know that they can be measured differently, right? Sure. Uh, I know when I started with 180 doing mostly intervention stuff, I was looking for these big wins, right? Like, yeah, this kid's got to go back to school. This, you know, this kid has to graduate, things like that. And then I realized that some of these things just aren't attainable in this short of time, right? Um, that could be an end goal. But like you said, we're looking at, hey, this guy hasn't breached conditions in a little while. This guy's reconnected maybe with a family member that's a positive role model. Um, and maybe we facilitated that. Sure. Right? So just things like that. Uh, maybe they're looking into drug treatment they've never looked before. This is a positive step forward. So just little things like that. I think you can grab those wins and you can hang on to those. Um, then it keeps you a little more positive and, and you can look for the next step ahead of that. So yeah. those those to me are kind of the the wins. And when I go home, I think, oh, yeah, today was a good day. You know, we, we move forward. So um, as you guys know, and I think we've talked about it here today, relationships, right? Relationship, relationship, relationship. That's how we connect with people. I believe that's how uh, impact can happen in one's life. I believe that's how change can happen. But we all know that change takes time. This, you know, I, I remember being 25 going to a, it was the first time I was taking therapy and the therapist says to me, just so you know, it's taking you 25 years to get here. It might take you 25 years to deal with some of this shit. And I was like, wow, I've never looked at it that way, yeah. but it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. And so these young people, it's taken time for them to get to where they're at. It's going to take time for them to bring that change into their life. But I'm a big believer in this, this whole thing of, um, you know, rules plus relationship equals respect. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. And that's just, that's for parenting. That's for life in general. You know, it's in any kind of relationship that you have. And I believe that obviously there's rules set out in society and these young people that you're dealing with every day and my youth workers are dealing with every day. They're breaking those rules. That's why they're on this list. But if we can build relationship with them, there might be respect given both ways and there might be movement forward, right? Which I think we're seeing. Um, I didn't expect you to bring all the stats with you. And I know you don't know them off because I don't know them off the top of my head either. But I like when the chief says to me, what? And I go, it's your guys getting the stat, the stats, chief, right? Like they're that good. I mean, I know, I talked to him about it. I've talked to a couple other um, and any of these guys about it, like, I mean, the police are thrilled that they can announce a 10%, 12% reduction in any crime. And we're seeing between, I think it's 28 and 50% reductions in some of these crimes. 
And that's incredible to me. You know, that's something we've got to take pride in. How do you guys feel when, when you hear those stats? It's got to feel pretty good to be part of that. Yeah, it feels good. But I mean, for me, stats, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but I, you know, I think success, you know, as Ketch said, uh, is measured differently. Like you're talking about young people that we're dealing with whose frontal cortexes aren't developed yet. So, I mean, I think about back when I was 16, some of the stupid decisions I made and I had, you know, a, a, a really good upbringing. I had two parents who loved me. I had sure. all the opportunities to go to school and, and I still made some silly decisions. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, when they, when they're 25 and they, I think that's when maybe you'll also see some changes. Right. Cause sure. I can think of, of uh, alumni Y50 who I spoke with probably a couple of years ago and that she just talked about how, you know, and she was on the list for a long time, four years, I believe. But she talked about how one SRO, that was the only consistent in her life. There was so much uh, movement from, you know, family members, that, but yet this member continued to, yeah. to check in on her and call her. And, and to this day, she, she credits a lot of her getting out of that lifestyle um, based on, on that relationship By she had. one person showing up. That's what it That's comes right. down to, showing yeah. up. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, now that, now that she's an adult, she, you know, most of her friends are either dead or in jail. And, and, but it took, you know, that... Um, looking back on that and, and again, that de- development of the brain yeah. and for her to realize, okay, so that, that's when the change happened. Not, mm-hmm. not right when she was 17 no. or 18, no. right? So I, so I think success is sometimes we look at, well, what, is it, what do the stats look like for the, this 365 days? And I mean, you have to do that. I get you that. You have to. But. And you know why I have to? Because it actually helps guys money. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's you know true. who loves stats? Government funders. Yeah, of course. They love it, right? Yeah. But you are correct. I like I I'm not hardcore into the stats either. I'm more into the um qualitative stuff. Yeah. Right? What's happening in their lives, you know. Um, and you're right, their brain. This is something that that, that I don't think is talked about enough. And, and I would say the general public doesn't talk about it enough. When we look at these these young people who are doing all these things and behaving this way, I say, Well, where are their brains at? So look at your own kids that age and go, Where's your brains at? Right. I mean, I got a twenty year old right now on a street fight every day, you know. And I, I love him. I adore him. And but yet, uh, I'll say this to anybody: he's as punchable as anyone I've ever met. <laughs> but it's also because of where his brain's at half the time, right? And yet, I know in his eyes, I'm as punchable as anyone he's ever met. I understand all that. But now, put a ton of trauma on these 13, 14, 15, 16 year old brains. I I can't even imagine. You know. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but you know what? This pretty good excuse. Yeah. You know. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. When, when you think of policing, um, like when you guys were first getting into policing, did you think that you were going to, you know, I mean, we, we talked a little bit in the beginning about, you know, did you want to be a cop? Yes. Why? Like, why? Why do you do this work in particular? You guys put in for this. I don't think you guys were all like, hey, you're being told you're going here. You put in for this. Yeah. Why? Um, well, I think back in the back in the day when you first start off, you want to be a contributing member to society, right? And um, it's a 
it's a good job. Um, the, the work can be very, um, rewarding for sure. Um, I think after a few years on, you start to realize the reality of, um, what people go through on a day to day basis. And that definitely kind of skews your perception on, on people. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, anybody that works in hardens a, it a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that works in any sort of a frontline role for sure. Um, you know, you're in patrol, you use that as an example, you're, you're going to your 13th domestic violence call and you're just like, hey, stop hitting the other person. Right. Yeah. So it, it skews your perception, kind of what people are like. Um, but I think, um, over time you start to just figure out a way that, and, and understand that people are, you know, you're, you're walking through their lives at the most vulnerable points in their life. And your job is to not fix their problem, but try and help the problem, mm. um, and come up with a, a bit of a solution, the best solution that you can with, with the resources you have. So, um, Yeah, that's that's all I can say to that. I got to be honest with you, Kyle. I uh, I didn't want to work in youth services when I when I first became a cop. I was like, I'm going to be patrol guy forever. This is what I want to do. I want to drive fast. I want to yeah. I want to go to tons of different calls. Uh, and then I went to uh, actually my career has gone sideways because I said I'd never work with drunk people. I don't like drunk people. Of course, I go work for White Avenue Beats for three years, just dealing yeah. strictly just drunk just people. Just drunk right? people. Yeah. And then uh, so anyway, th this is my honest story. Is uh, I had my second kid. And my wife says, hey, you should find a Monday to Friday spot. I said, there's no Monday to Friday spots. I'm, you know, it's policing. Yeah. Wait a sec, SRO. I could do that. Yeah, that seems like an okay job. You know, I don't work with youth and I never, I, I, I kind of thought of it, but not, not really, right? So anyway, I started working as an SRO. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, really like got engaged with the youth there. And uh, I think that kind of sold me after it that. It changed you. It changed me. It really did. Uh, it changed my perception of youth. And we, of course, I worked in a north side school. So we, we did have a lot of uh, troubled youth there, uh, air quotes. And uh, anyway, I, I really liked working with those kids and just seeing where they came from and, and uh, how we could help them out. So that kind of transitioned me into the 180 and, and then into Y50. So now I love them. But yeah, uh, but yeah it wasn't my intention for sure. Yeah. It's, re it's really night and day. Like some, some members don't have the opportunity to work in some of these different units that are within any municipal uh, police service and being able to uh, go from frontline role to one of these supporting roles where you're um, you get the time to actually dig into some of the, the work. It's yeah. that, that, that kind of work is, is vital in the success rate mm -hmm. patrol members. They're going from call to call to call yeah. uh, dealing with people and, and they, they need quick fixes. And that's when some of these other supporting roles uh, and specialized units, um, they're able to, after the fact, step in, share the information that they have um, and kind of helping the the end goal, I guess. Yeah. 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 And you? Well, I... Mark's looking at me. <laughs> I, uh, yes, Mark. I don't hate kids. <laughs> um, but I certainly, like my career, I didn't, I had no interest in being a dare officer or safe and sick to work sure. at a school. That was never my, my goal. Um, I, I, it wasn't until I had my own child that things shifted a little bit. And uh, child protection was, you know, a place that I, I started looking at mm -hmm. transferring to because of my child. And, and working there was um, an extremely rewarding place. I mean, you're, you're dealing with the most um, 
horrific events that mm-hmm. these children, you know, face and whether it's sexual or serious bodily injury, these investigations, it just changed, changed things for me. Uh, and, and after spending, I was there for four years, um, and which has a shelf life. I mean, you know, at, at some point dealing with all those, all those calls, you need, to, you need to move on. But, but I had a different outlook on, on youth work. Uh, and when I was in, went to the SRO unit as a sergeant, I, I was very envious of, of these, you know, these people who had the opportunity to go into schools. And I had regret, I had regret that I didn't look at that back, back in when I was a young constable and, and, and spend some time in the school. But, but certainly since my time in child protection, since having a child, it's shifted and I've, I've mm-hmm. spent the, the majority of my career more with, with youth work, mm-hmm. but then in a leadership role, which is not the same as what I would have experienced if I would have taken that opportunity like these guys. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I find it interesting that kids, having your own kids change the way you look at this stuff, right? Um, at the end of the day, you three, I, I, I think I can speak for the unit, but you three for sure, you care. You do care about these young people, right? And this is one thing I've always loved about youth work is that, you know, I, I've had many people say to me over the years, oh, you work with bad bad kids, right? I'm like, no, I don't. I work with amazing young people who come from some bad situations. Huh. That's the way that I look at it. And I, I'll tell you, over the years, I got attached to a few of them. You really do get attached to some of them, right? You care about them. You know, you see what in them what they don't see in themselves, you know, until they do, hopefully. But um, I'm not going to do any trauma sliming on here because I just don't believe in that. But I know that as police officers, you guys have been through trauma. Um, that's the that's what you signed up for. It's it's true. Um, how do you guys take care of yourselves? You know, what do you guys do for your self care? You know, what do what do you do to make sure you're okay? I for me, it's spending time with my family, with my wife, my son, getting outdoors as much as I can, um, being as active as I can. So I think when I'm stressed out, if I go for a, a run or a bike ride or uh, let's take my son skiing or whatever. It's it, that's what I do. I just get outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, similar to Mark there. I, I big outdoors guy. Hunt and fish and uh, take the kids camping. I have a little property up north, uh, just on the lake there that uh, my wife and I go to quite a bit in the summer times. And um, I do. I will say though, I think I'm I'm pretty lucky. At 12 years, I unscathed. You know, I don't have any uh, thing that bothers me, and I. I am a pretty positive guy, so I don't let too much bug me, but um, yeah, you just, I talk about it, right? I talk yeah. about it. So my uh, wife is really good at asking me, oh, how's the day? And uh, I'm really open. Go to barbecues, I tell stories like crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah so I think you just got to be open about stuff and um, and I try to let things slide. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. Right? The talking yeah. is important, so. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, my happy place is definitely um, when I go home and get to see the family. Um, it's a good restart for sure. Um, being able to chat with the, with the kids and, and, and my wife and just kind of forgetting some of the stuff that, that you've been through while, um, like, yeah, they ending any experienced police member, they, uh, they have to find a way to try and, uh, you know, distance themselves a little bit from some of the things that you see because, mm-hmm. You know, there's one police officer that they may be involved in a lethal um, confrontation, right? And then that's obviously going to affect them uh, more than somebody who has never had to go through that. Sure. So, um, 
I, I would say every police officer is different, but for 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 me, um, I, I think definitely being able to just restart checking with the family. Um, every once in a while, I like to go for a two kilometer jog, and uh, mm. yeah, yeah. So these guys, these two fitness guys here, so <laughs> I just gotta chuck it in there. Yeah, I'm tossing it for sure. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It was very specific to two kilometers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one, yeah. one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Nice. Uh, you know, I will say one thing. Uh, the one thing about policing that I never expected when I started policing was um, that you're kind of always in it. So, like when when I'm off work and you turn, you know, most people turn the TV on, they'll want to have a coffee or watch the news. It's all police stuff. Sure. Mm. So, you know, I've I've kind of refrained from uh, watching the news and then. You know, people are talking about stuff at barbecues. Oh, did you hear about that police shooting? Or, hey, I got pulled over one time by a cop. Sure. He gave us an asshole. He gave me a ticket. And sure. so you're always kind of, you're always in it, right? It's it's really hard to step back away from it. And I, I never expected that when I, that's something I didn't think about when I got in police. As soon as people find out you're a police officer, right? They have all these questions sure. and uh, yeah. So it's, uh, that, you guys, I, must, I ex- that you guys must experience that too, right? Like, well, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely like to separate my, my work from my, my life. Like I don't, uh. I mean, not that I won't talk about it, but I, I definitely have a, I'm going home now. I'm putting that over here. Um, I, I can't imagine taking stuff home and con- and, and again, yeah, there's certain things that you experience that you're, you're going to be thinking about and then yeah. if it gets to that point, go talk to someone. We, yeah. We've got fantastic, you know, we can go see a psychologist, no problem. And I, that's something I've done. I mean, yeah. if, it, if it's something that's ruminating and I'm thinking about, I need to go talk to someone oh, because yeah. normally, normally I can, I can separate it. Sure. And I mean, I think we as police officers are control freaks. We like to fix problems. You know, if my wife's telling me something, I'm supposed to listen and just let, let her vent, yep. but I'm always trying to solve it. And she's like, listen, I don't need to solve this problem. Just listen to what I'm saying. Um, so I think as control freaks, it's, it's important to understand that there's no point stressing over things you can't control. Like the little world that I have that I can control, I can and make changes on, stress about that. But the vast majority of things that you can't control, there's no point stressing yeah. about it. And I think, let's be honest, men in general are, you know, we're, we're all men here and, yeah. and uh, we all have this, we got to fix it. And then you put all your training and all your experience as police officers and yeah, it is it. We got to fix this. We got to correct this, right? So take care of yourself, guys. You're good guys. You're doing good work. So I really do hope that you continue to go seek counseling, talk about it, do your fitness stuff, run Two kilometers, three, three, sorry, three, 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 three kilometers. I, I decided to step it up. A bit. I could tell you. <laughs> um, one more question before we go to the what we do at the very end of these podcasts is, well, how's it going with my relentless guys? Let's tell me now. Like, do are they doing okay? Let's evaluate them on a podcast. No, we won't go through. All. Uh, <laughs> I had a story. It was really <laughs> What do you guys, obviously like the partnership. What do you guys think is the most valuable thing of the partnership with the, with you can use services and our relentless youth workers? I think these guys will probably be able to speak more to it, but I think, I think having um, an agency outside of the police world to have a different lens is so important. Yeah. Um, and again, people who are clearly dedicated to um, these young people, that's a great partnership and it's, it's been going really well as far as I know. Yeah. Front, frontline guys, yeah. what do you think of our frontline guys? I, yeah, it's, I would have to piggyback on what Mark's saying, just in the sense of we, like, it's it's nice to know, like it, you know, if if what's working with with me when I try and go and engage with a youth or their family, if if for some reason they just don't 
I like police or they don't like me or whatever it is. Um, there's always that other person that you can kind of say, okay, um, talk with the relentless, one of the sort of relentless workers and seeing if their approach might work too. Um, I, I like how we can kind of piggyback on, uh, different approaches and being able to just <clears throat> like, like Kat was saying, you know, know that this, this isn't about me. This is about what's in the best interests of the kid while also balancing the best interests of public safety and kind of figuring out something that that's going to work. But, um, I've had nothing but good things to say with respect to, uh, the relentless staff, uh, the, the youth workers where like we have open communication, we're texting on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Um, if there's something going on, like that I need to know about or something that the youth worker needs to know about, we let each other know, yeah. um, because, um, we also have to take, you know, look after them. There's circumstances that are eyes overnight. Sure. And we get information saying, ah, this person might have a weapon or something like that. Right. So our job is to maybe give a bit of a heads up to the youth work and saying, let's, let's pump the brakes on, on the visits for right, right now until we can manage the, the public safety risk. Um, so it, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, it's, I started in the unit when relentless uh, became a thing and, uh, and the partnership that we have with, uh, with relentless, it's, it, it's really, I think, been really good. Well, I know that you once sent an email complimenting all of our youth workers, which I thought was very, very kind of you. And uh, and then I remember I texted you, yeah. and I thanked you, and yeah. you didn't text me back. But <laughs> I, I didn't have your number. Not a base. You didn't have my number. It was in a fight. Come on, yeah. Dan. He was out for a run. Yeah, he was. Yeah, doing doing yeah, he might have been doing his four kilometers. Yeah, might, yeah, might have been. Um, He's a kind man, though. He's always bringing Karis of Tim Hortons into the office. Yes. I think that's supposed to be my job. But uh, I will tell does. you this: uh, my youth workers think you guys are great. They knew, and. I know that uh, Morgan, our our uh, manager, that just it's just glowing reviews. And again, there's sometimes there are some disagreements, right? There are not major ones, but that's good because to me, that's how we all learn, right? I think that this thing is incredible. This partnership is incredible, and I'm, I'm thankful that Michelle and and EPS has brought folks on that care they care my hope is that you all stay for a while because that's always tough with eps right is some of that change that happens because again you know you talk about this young lady who is now doing pretty good but she had the same sro or sro person for like three four years in her life like it makes a huge difference right mm -hmm. um but guys you, you really are doing incredible work and and you know, I said to you yesterday when we were chatting, it, you know, people used to call it the Amazon Police Force, and some people still call it the Force. It's not. It's Amazon Police Service. And you guys serve the community, and you do it well. And I'm thankful that we're in this partnership with you guys. So I want to thank you for what you do. I also love the fact that, you know, this is some good positive stuff. We didn't even get in, and we don't have time today to get into all the shit you guys have been through, uh, really, in the last three or four years with, with a lot of hate on the police. And I'm proud to say we work closely with you. I'm proud to have three police members on here that are good people who care about this community. So I appreciate you. Now, that being said, guys, I know you've never listened to the podcast because I, I don't even think you knew we had a podcast. So that's why I know. Um, we have the relentless quiz. And this will show if you guys are relentless or not. Now, this is unique to do with three people. So we're going to kind of go 
rapid. So we'll start with Mark, then we'll go to Terrence, and then we'll go to Danny Shea for each question. Yep. Are we ready? This is going to determine. This is all is science. This timed or? Uh, <laughs> no, but we can hustle. Take him. Oh, yeah. Danny's got to get to his run. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Are we ready? Yes. Fruits or vegetables? Vegetables. Fruit. Vegetables. Okay. Okay. City or countryside? Countryside. City. City. Okay. These guys, you don't have to go that fast. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? What would I prefer? Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Dirty kitchen. Okay. A bathroom and dirty kitchen. Well, you're gross. Uh, <laughs> my kitchen clean. I eat there. Like, <laughs> yeah. My 20-year-old actually eats in the shitter sometimes. It's amazing to me. He doesn't listen to this either, so it doesn't matter. Uh, salty or sweet? Sweet. Salty. 100% salty. Okay. So you are not a fruit or a sweet person. No. So I keep this lean body. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Same here, man. Same here. Oh, so you can't hurt steel. <laughs> okay. Uh, morning or night? Night. Morning. Hmm. Right. Sven? Favorite comedy movie of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm hmm Yes. It's not an easy quiz. Uh, something about Mary, because it's the first and only movie yes. I saw in the theater with my father, who was tears of laughter. Some, some wow. Movie. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Which they could not make today, that movie. No, they could not. Yeah. That's a tough one. I don't know. Terrence. I'll say, you know, I'll say Dumb and Dumber because I always like Dumb. <laughs> I think of that one too. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed the first Deadpool. Oh, yeah. 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 That was a good one too. Yeah. A little bit of action, a little bit of humor. Ryan Rail is a funny guy. Right. When I think of Dumb and Dumber, I just, I remember being there with my wife. Yeah. And she loves physical comedy. She doesn't go to the movies a lot. She doesn't actually like comedy that much, really. Yep. But she loves physical comedy. And when when one of them whips that snowball, right, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. from, like, this far, <laughs> I will never forget her laughing. Like, five minutes later, still laughing about that. Um, a big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Yeah, small gathering. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, less people talking about your jobs and telling you how an asshole That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? I hate to admit it, but phone in the bathroom, no phone. Phone. You're a liar. I uh, know. I'm no. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. You know, what if it's know? on and I'm doing something I shouldn't be? You and, know. You know. You know. He's yeah, that got wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> that got super personal. Where are we going here? <laughs> well, it's, it's the newspaper of today. It's the oh, mad true. magazine of today. It's the. Snowmobile magazine. This is what it is. It's true. People that say no, I don't believe them. I don't, believe them. I don't want it. I don't want it. Don't believe them, man. Favorite love song of all time. Oh. Well, little hint, guys. Thank you. Your wedding song. I'm going to have to get back to me. I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. I, I know your wives are going to listen to this. Your wives are going to listen to this because I guarantee you that you told your wives, I'm on a podcast. And like, oh, my gosh, I'm on a podcast. That's so cool. And then they're going to listen, and you're not going to be able to say your favorite love song, and your wife is going well, to I'm, say, "What I'm the to, hell?" I'm trying to think of the the of, song of your wedding song. God. You can't. I don't remember. even know if we had a wedding song, <laughs> oh but there's a song God. that we had that was. Uh, no, I can't even think of the artist. So now I'm. I'm you're, you're. Can I say fuck? You're fucked. You have to bet that later. Yeah. 
Oh gosh. I, you know, I got one. A uh, love song yeah. by Sky. Remember that song? I don't. Can you oh. sing it? Crazy Then she we can't do it. I love I the just you I love that, that you actually 90s? sang something. Yeah, it was like a 90s like song. Yeah. Or Soundgarden. Was, or was it Soundgarden? No. Okay. Truly, Madly, Deeply. I remember. Yeah. That was yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, geez. Hi. Hi. Well, I think her, her name is Sade. Is how you pronounce it? Okay. Like Bourgeois. S-A-B. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And I forget the name of the song. Is it Smooth Operator? Uh, <clears throat> something like that. Okay. Ah. Nice. Mark, one last chance to make... Uh, it's yours. Oh, gosh. Uh, probably uh, You Two, All I Want Is You. Oh, Track 16 one. on Rattle and Hum. Came out in 1988. Okay. Uh, fantastic song. And Girls, Girls, Girls is not... From Dolly Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> could be, just, anything could be a love song. And if that's yours, <laughs> give me one of those. Okay, man. <laughs> uh, two more questions left. Cake or pie? Uh Ice cream? If it's ice cream cake? Perfect. <laughs> it's a cake. Uh, cake. Cake? It's a cake. Neither. I'm not a big sweet guy. What's the guy? I don't know. It's weird. I don't. No, it's not weird. It's not weird. It's who you are. It's who you are. If, if, I, if, I, had, if I had to pick one, yeah. uh, I would have to do like an ice cream cake. Okay. So you don't do like, you're just, you're just like just clean living. No sure. I, I well, I don't know about that. But okay. You can put a bag of chips in front of me and those things yeah. are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so. a chip guy too. Do you know that the chief told me? Uh, he's a chips guy. He says that that's his thing. Like same idea. And then he told me, uh, what is it? Miss Vickers? Salt. I think he said salt and vinegar. Put him in the freezer. Ah, like, what? I was like, uh, why? He goes, tell me it, do it. Yeah, that's what he says. I well, he, he's that. a great guy. You know, he would yeah. know. Yeah, that's right. Is he listening? He is listening. Yeah. He's behind the curtain right now. <laughs> listening to everything that's being oh. said right now. Stay there, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, last question. Describe your, relent- your uh, uh, describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. Mm-hmm. So that could be a sentence or just four separate words. Yeah. If somebody's ready, they can go first. Oh, huh? What's going on, guys? Kyle Duvet is cool. <laughs> Ying to my yang. <laughs> okay. Didn't hurt that much? Didn't hurt that. Nice. Yeah, that was good. pretty good, guys. Good. Daddy's is my favorite, for sure. <laughs> that was good. Just five bucks. Yeah, I'll bucks. give you 10 later. Okay. Um, guys, thank you. This is this wasn't too bad, eh? No, it was good. too bad. I, I appreciate you doing this. I talked to Michelle about this a while ago. I actually want to give a shout out to somebody else because if we don't, you know that they'll probably, oh my God, I can't imagine. First, we'll give a shout out to all of our youth workers, okay? Because they're incredible. Um, the other guys on your crew, I guess we can give a shout out to, but they didn't want to come do this, so screw them. And then, but there's Rox, okay? We're going to give it to Roxy, but we have to give a shout out to the big boy, Kendall, the British Bulldog, Johnny Hotley. Johnny. Right? Because Johnny, who thinks He's the funniest guy in the world. He is pretty funny. He is funny. He is funny. Yeah. Um, but Johnny really was the original relentless youth worker in the Y50 stuff. This guy, I remember him running around like a chicken with his head cut off all by himself, dealing with all 50 of those young people at one time. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, as much as we tease Johnny, as much as we joke about him and all that type of stuff, uh, and he is a pain in the ass. He really is. Um, it, it, mostly in a good way. Yeah. 
But that's what being relentless is, is being a pure form, isn't it? Yes, yeah. that is. And that guy used to blow my mind with the amount that he would do. And we got to give him a shout out. Johnny's a good guy. Um, and plus, if we didn't mention his name, you know that he'd be saying something oh, to us. Yeah. He'd be all salty. <laughs> he'd be, yeah, he'd be salty, yeah. a little whiny. Yeah. Right. It's like that. Not that we can understand half what he says with that <laughs> strong <laughs> British accent. No, I think it's half fake, to be honest with you. I, don't, I think he puts it on. He made up for sure. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. I, I, think I heard he was born in Calgary. Uh, yeah. I heard Calgary too. <laughs> and then someone else told me Windsor, Ontario. Yeah. So he's, he's fake. It's yeah. fake. But, anyways, uh, guys. I appreciate you. You are relentless. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. Folks, if you want to learn more about UCAN Youth Services, you go to www.ucan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. And we would love for you to maybe donate some money to this amazing cause because the Relentless program, actually, all of our funding doesn't pay for everything. So we're always looking for supporters to help us pay for for some youth supports and for other things that we need to do. Also go to our website, check out our merchandise store where you can buy all things relentless. And uh, yeah, appreciate you listening. And until next time. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.